Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. And now let's jump in. The question we're asked, we're trying to ask today is, how do we nurture our kids? How do we do right by them? How do we help them know God? How can we tell if we're really doing this God's way or another way? So years ago, I was probably about 13 years old. My family was on vacation, and, and there's seven of us, okay? So we were in Eleuthera. It was, it's one of the Bahamas, okay? And so now this isn't one of those islands, though, that you may think about when you think about Bahamas, okay? It's not like a lot of touristy stuff. It's not not really nice, okay, or at least it wasn't then. It was beautiful, but it wasn't like there was a lot of conveniences. So it's a Sunday, and we're driving around, and all the kids are hungry. We're all in the car, and we didn't know nothing's open. Nothing's open on Sunday there. So we're, you know, we're kind of whining and complaining in the back of the car, and it's just getting worse and worse, and we can't find any place to go. There's no, there's no Mickey D's or anything like that. So we're driving around, and you know, the kids are beginning to freak out. I'm sure mom and dad, there's, there's, there's tension building. And so then my dad stops the car to ask just a gentleman walking by, Named Pete. Hey, Pete, we, we really need to find some place to eat, man. Can you help us? Well, Pete is a little bit inebriated, okay? He's been drinking all morning, okay? And he just jumps right in the car. He's like, oh, I know where, where to go, okay? So he gives Pops the directions, and we wind up to, at a place called the Sigatoo Inn. Now, the Sigatoo Inn was real nice, and they had real good food. And suddenly, because we had Pete the guide, all, all things were taken care of, okay? We went from a place of, you know, a little bit of frightening to a place of relief. We went to a place of being hungry to a place of health. That's what a great guide can do. A guide can lead you from a place where you're not too familiar with the surroundings and can lead you to a better place. Well, God is our guide. How many know that's true? Psalm 32, 8 says, Lord talking about himself. He says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. There's lots of different kinds of guides, aren't there? There's like mountain guides. These are guides, like if you're going to go up in the mountains, there are people that, like they understand how things work. They understand how to keep you safe. They understand maybe a little bit of how snowcraft works. They understand what kind of medicines might be necessary if you get in a little bit of trouble. They understand, hey, this place we're going to go through is going to be particularly hard, so you want to pay extra attention. They know what to do, and God is like that. God knows what to do. When we think about parenting, all of life, really, but parenting in particular, God knows what to do. He knows what, hey, man, when you get in a, in a narrow place, a crevice like this, where it's a little bit scary, I know what to do. When you don't really know if you can go much higher, God says, I know what to do. When you get in a little bit of a bind and you're like, uh, God says, I know what to do. I'm a good guide. I'll get you where you're supposed to go because I see the big picture. Maybe you wouldn't prefer to go to the mountains. Maybe you want to go to the wilderness. And so you need a good wilderness guide. And wilderness guides... They know the area. They maybe even know a little bit about the history, like what's happened here. God knows the history of everything, but he knows the history of parenting. See, God has been around since the very first humans. He says, I've watched the whole thing. I know exactly how it starts. I actually know how it's going to finish. I know what goes on with humans, and I've got some guidance for parenting. I know what you should do. Maybe that wilderness guide also, they understand a little bit of the ecology of the area. They know how the different organisms are relating to other organisms, are relating to microorganisms. Like they see things that we can't even see. 
God sees things that we can't see either. God knows how this thing relates to that thing relates to that thing. God knows how everything can work together for the good of those who love God and are called called according to his purpose. God knows how this decision that you make with that five-year-old is going to affect this 35-year-old later in the future and how that's going to affect the 60-year-old in the future and how that's going to trickle on down through the next couple hundred years. God knows the right way to do stuff. He's the right guide. He's got the right knowledge. He's got the right experience. He knows what we should do, and he's the God. He says this, Psalm 48, 14, for this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our God even until death. Oh, man, I'm so glad to have a God like that. Aren't you so glad? God's not going to quit. You know, some of these other gods, they might just, they might give up on you. They might be, sucker, you're on your own. Like, I'm tired of your belly aching, and they're just going to leave you. God will never leave. He said, every breath you take, Every step you take, the whole time, it doesn't matter if you wander away from me for a little while, I'm going to be your guide. I'm committed. I'll never let you go. I'll keep walking with you every step of the way. Now, here's why God is the best guide for parents. Because number one, he knows what to avoid. As a a guide, God knows what to avoid. There's about 10,000 different parenting paradigms that'll tell you different things about how you should parent your kids. God says, but I know the right way. I know the true way. I know the way that's actually best. One of my hobbies is to read history, and and from time to time I'll run across something again where they're talking about bloodletting or bleeding a patient in the past in order to improve their health. There's something wrong. They got smallpox. They got the plague. They got something else. Let's bleed them. They just cut them open. Hey, drip your blood into this pan. And every time I read about something like that, I'm tripping out a little bit. And part of the, the, the horrificness of it is they're trusting this doctor. And I'm like, they believe, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. We should, we should get rid of some of this blood because that's how they thought. They were like, too much blood in here. You got to bring balance. Get rid of some of this blood. And I'm sitting here in the future being like, that didn't, not only did it not help, it made it worse. You're less healthy because of this doctor. And yet sometimes our parenting paradigms are like that. There's people, there's experts offering advice and writing books, and we're looking at this, and, and I'm saying, that's not even, not only is that not going to improve it, it's going to make it worse. It's against God's counsel. That's the opposite of what you should do. I'm so thankful for a real doctor, the real great physician, because he knows what to do, and he knows what's dumb. He knows what's a fad for the generation, and what's ultimately going to pay off. God knows. God is the best guide for parents, because he knows what you'll appreciate later. God knows what to aim at. God sees the end from the beginning. He knows what's going to produce a fruitful, long-term joy to be around, delightful person who fears God and who is glorifying God. And by the way, that really is the purpose of parenting. It is to be as good as, as we possibly can to produce a human that is, you know, pleasant to the rest of everybody else and helping somehow on planet Earth. But it's also just for the glory of God. In other words, parenting is for God. That's who it's for. It's about God's glory. It's unto him. It's an act of worship unto him, which means even no matter how the kid is responding, as we respond to God and seek to glorify God, it can still be worship. And God says, I know where this is supposed to go. Follow my recipe and I'll get you to the right place. I got a buddy who, uh, we both lift weights. And from time to time, you know, we've talked and I, I remember asking, I was like, hey, if you could go back to when you were 18, and you could maybe work on a muscle that you didn't really work on all that much. If you could go counsel yourself and tell yourself what you should have done, what would you tell yourself to work on? And it's not to be weird. He just says, 
oh, the glutes, gluteus maximus, the butt. You got to work on the butt. And I agreed with them. I was like, that's what I would work on. And the reason is not what you think. It's because a weak backside is going to hurt your back often, meaning your, your lower back is going to try to overcompensate for your weak buttocks, okay? And so if both of us could go back in time, we would give some different counsel. Hey, man, I know all this stuff is you want to work on that, but work on that because it's going to save you some back pain later on. Well, God already knows, and he's coming back to us now and saying, I know what to work on. I know what are the right exercises. I know what are the right things. Here's what you're going to want to, here's what you're going to work on. And, and God knows, the thing is, man, parenting's hard. How many, can I, can I get a witness out there? Somebody like write a little, you know, put some kind of emoji in there, raising their hand or something. Parenting is hard. And it's not, it's not just that it's like, it's hard for kids. It is hard for kids. But dude, parents don't know what they're doing necessarily. You know what I'm saying? You don't just get like get an upgrade when, when the baby's born. Like, suddenly I know. And especially if you're a single parent, if you've got all those extra difficulties to deal with on your own, and you've got anger, and you've got fear, and you've got you're overwhelmed, that's true of when there's a couple, much less when you're trying to navigate this on your own. And it's an opportunity all the more to press in to Jesus Christ. Proverbs 27.11, be wise, my son, and make my heart. We're going to look at a lot of Proverbs in this series. Be wise, my son, and make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. He says, you know what's going to pay off is when you can look at your kid in the future and say, you know, it's not that they're super sexy. It's not that they're super successful. I watch them and they're wise. I watch them and they do what a wise person would do. They fear the Lord and they interact with the world in such a way that it's producing more and more impact. I watch them and they're wise and it gives my soul joy. Parents, that's, that's what Solomon... God through Solomon says, ultimately parents are going to want. They're going to want, want it to pay off by saying, we did it God's way, and it's turned into a wise human. Now, you can't guarantee that every person is going to be wise, but God says, as you try to work this recipe of God's guidance, it's more and more likely that they're going to increasingly behave more wisely. So he invites us. And I want to encourage everybody listening. You're not, you're not too young to think about parenting. Okay, I've really started thinking about this. Kenzie and I, we were together at was it 18, 19, 18, 19? We were already starting to think about it. I, I worked a job and I had to drive home for an hour and I would listen to, the, it, was, it was the old times, okay? So there's no Spotify. There's, if, if you, you, we were living in central Illinois, so if you got a station out in the middle of those farmlands, it was good. Whatever you'd take, you'd take it. So I'm listening to Dr. James Dobson. It was the only thing on after work. So I'm driving home and I just got a download every day of wise parenting strategies before we even had kids. And I got to tell you, it's not that we arrived at a billion conclusions, but it was very shaping in terms of when we started at 23, there was already quite a bit of thinking that we'd done around this area. So I just want to encourage you, maybe you're a teenager. This is still important for you. Like, think about this now. So you're not, you know, spending the first five years doing stuff you're going to regret later. God is the best guide for parents because he knows what man is. He knows what man is. See, God knows that just like we believe our kids are special and precious and really good, God says, yes, they, they are all that, but also know that they are people born in sin. They are what we might call theologically totally depraved. That doesn't mean that they do all the evil that they could do. It just means there's nothing that they do do that isn't somehow kissed by the sickness of sin. They're, they will trend towards selfishness. They will trend toward 
using people. They will trend toward manipulation. If you haven't figured out by the time the kid is two years old that they know how to manipulate, baby, I don't know what school you went to because that's what's happening, okay? They know how to they know how to cry the right way. Like, they know how to do it. And it's proof that they are a son or daughter of Adam and Eve. The sin is in them already. And God says, I don't condemn them for that. Of course, that's what Jesus says. He says, but I know that it's true. I know that it's really in there and I'm dealing with it accordingly. I took my, my car to the, the mechanic recently and he's a guy that we've been going to for years. And I said, hey man, something's going wrong with, with the gear shift. Can you help me out? And then he, he, of course, he takes it in. He takes a look and he calls me back up. Hey Carter, um, the transmission is going, man. And I'm like, all right, well, how much, what do we got to do to you know, repair it? And he's like, you don't want to do that. It's going to cost you so much. You should just rot, drive this thing to the ground and just get a new car. It's just not worth it. My mechanic can see into things I can't see. I couldn't tell that that was the deal with the transmission, but he could see it. And he says, because I have insight that you don't have, I'm going to advise you based on that insight. And God says, I see what's in every human heart. I know what they do. I know what they don't do. I know what they're inclined to do. And I'm telling you, I know how you should engage them in parenting. Here's number four. God is the best guide for parents because he makes a promise to children. Oh, I love this. I love God's word. He makes a promise to children. Let me tell you something, precious. Your paradigm, whatever book you bought, as great as it might possibly be, here's the thing it can't do that God can do. It can't make any promises because it's not going to be there two decades from now. It's not going to be there three decades from now. It's not going to be there living with that human when they grow up. See, God's going to be there for your kid. God's going to be there down the road. God's going to be with them in the dark of the night, in the midst of their despair, when everything is caving in. God says, I can promise you this, I'm still going to be with them. I'm still going to be there. And so God makes a promise to kids, and parents, we need to listen in. Ephesians 6, 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. First Ten commandments, here's the first one that has a promise attached to it. Here's the promise, so that it may turn out well for you and that you may live long on the earth. Okay, that, we don't want to take that to mean, that means every child that is born, if they honor their mother and father, they're going to live until they're 90. God isn't saying that. He's saying in general, as kids honor their parents, there's a special blessing that God apportions to those kids, even when their parents are jacked up and crazy. When they will just choose to obey God and honor ways that they can, you can't always honor them all in the same way, because as you do that, kids, I want to promise you, I'm going to bless your life. I'm going to make things work out for you that I don't necessarily make work out for everybody else because you honored me in this. I'm going to make it happen. I know that some, you know, some, we hear this and we're grown up now and we're like, that's so hard because my parent gave me almost nothing. Maybe that's where you're coming from. Maybe you're like, I have so much animosity. I, they, they left me without so much. And I hear that, man. It is not based on their performance, but whatever we can do to honor our mother and father. And sometimes all it is, all you can do is say, God, I've got nothing really to say about them other than, well, they gave me life. At the very least, they didn't abort me. God, I thank you that I'm here. I thank you for them in that sense. And I've had people tell me that's all they can do, but they can do that. And so even if that's all you can do, God says, kids, I need you to pay attention right now because God doesn't mind giving an incentive for obedience. See, God wants his kids to be blessed. And so he's like, hey, man, I want to ask you to respond to me, not to your parents. Respond to me in honoring them. I'm going to make sure things go really well for you. I'm going to keep you having a soft heart. I'm going to give you a future and a hope. I'm going to help your parents have a legacy 
because you decided to honor me. God makes this promise. It's the first commandment with a promise. Promises, dude, they're so important. Promises are so cool. We, 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 we miss the idea of a promise from God. It, we, if you've been in church circles for a while, you, you get used to that idea. It's a promise from God. You know what promises are for? They're for the moment when everything is claiming that the promise isn't going to happen. When your whole world is working against the promise, that's the time you grab onto the promise. The promise is miraculous, baby. The promise has God's very authority behind it. And God says, it doesn't matter what the world does. It doesn't matter what the stock market does. It doesn't matter what so-and-so does or what, so, what even happened with you, what went wrong. God says, I'm going to fulfill my word. You can bank on it. I'm a promising God. And the world doesn't even know what to do with this. The world doesn't know. They don't even think they should aim at this. You know, so, and, and, and we could understand it. Some people, they're just waiting around while their kids grow up. They're just, well, I'm just waiting to get out of here. I'm waiting for some super person to come along and help me out with this or, or fix this up. And God says, no, I want you to bank on my promise. I want you to bank on the promise of God, that God is going to be good to your child and give them a future and hope. And here's, here's why. See, we, we got we to oh, understand this. Are y'all are with me? Y'all tracking online? Somebody put a fist bump in the emoji section if you're still tracking with me. God is not just about blessing you or me. God is about blessing families and generations of families. Is that tripping you out yet? God has a plan, not just for your life. God has a plan for the next two, three, four, five hundred years of your family line. And we don't really get this because we can't really look that far back without it getting fuzzy. We got to go to ancestry.com or whatever and try to figure some stuff out. But I really believe we're going to see over the next probably couple hundred years is my theory, okay? Don't quote me on it. Other than quote, it's a theory. Um, <clears throat> we're going to see because we got the internet now, like you're going to be, some, someday kids your great-great-great-great-grandchildren are going to be go back and look at your Facebook profiles. That scare you or what? Okay? So in other words, people will just know more about their family lines, and here's what they're going to see. They're going to see the blessing of God that trickled down from generation to generation to generation with much more clarity because it's going to be visible in a new way. God is about not just the blessing of families, but about generations of families. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and and Jacob. He's the tri-generational God that always has an awesome plan, and we get to be a link in that chain. And here's what that means. There's a special blessing for kids who are trained in godliness. There's a special blessing for kids who are trained in godliness. Let's tear this apart. Do not provoke your children to anger. Number one, we nurture kids by avoiding exasperation. Exasperation, that means provoke. It means ride them, give them a hard time. You know what it's like to be exasperated? You know what it's like when someone's kind of riding you? They're leaning on you? It's a coach or a parent or it's, you know, uncle, it's, it's grandpa. It's somebody who, man, they just, they just can't let up. They're just always on you. And it, you know you're being exasperated when you have this sigh that comes out, that's exasperation. How many know what exasperation feels like? And God says, you may be exasperated by your kids, but in this moment, I'm talking about try not to be the catalyst of exasperation in your kids. And this is kind of strange because in this culture, a, the kid really had to worry a lot more about exasperating their parent than vice versa. See, the dad in Roman culture here, he could have the kid put into slavery if he didn't like what the kid was doing. He could have him killed legally. And that was just the way it was. So the kid was much more on tippy-toe. I don't want to exasperate dad. And yet Paul comes along and says, in the kingdom, parents, I also don't want you to exasperate your kid. 
because it's going to make it harder for them to honor their parents, and I want to bless them. This is trippy if you, if you think about it. Think, think about this for a second with me, parents. God has tied the blessing on your kids to their ability to honor you, so make it as easy as possible. Make it as easy as possible. Make it a joy to submit to you rather than a chore. Now, that doesn't mean that you, ever, you don't have to confront them, and you do, and we're going to talk about that next week. And sometimes, occasionally, you'll have to exasperate them because they're not hearing what you're trying to say. But in most cases... Paul says, God says, watch out for this provoking thing that you can do with your kids. I want to give you some examples. And, and, and we, all, we all stumble in many ways. So I don't want anyone to feel bad about this. If you're a parent for more than two, two years, you've probably done everything I'm about to say, okay? But these are ways that we provoke or exasperate our kids. Let me read this from, from the Living Bible real quick, verse 4. And now a word to you parents. Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up with the loving discipline the Lord himself approves, with suggestions and godly advice. But nevertheless, we as parents sometimes crush our children with, number one, excessive discipline. That means it's just too much. You're, just, you're straining out every little thing that they do. You're always on their case. There's always an evaluation. I'm going to pick that up and straighten up and do, and, and, and it's just too much. And it's provoking them to exasperation the same way it would to you. And it just makes it harder. We should never have like a bully spirit with our kids. There should never be like a threat. You know what I'm saying? Let me be careful the way I say this. I believe there should be an appropriate fear and respect of your parents in a way that is like, hey man, don't go mouthing off. But there shouldn't be a tremble of like, I'm a little nervous around them, what they're going to do. That should not be a part of the parent-child relationship. It might be, so it might be excessive discipline. We're going to talk a lot about discipline next week. It might just be unpredictable discipline. I don't know which one's worse. Unpredictable just means you're, they never know what you're going to do, okay? They're like, okay, 75% of the time, she does nothing. She, she's, her yes is not yes. She doesn't keep her word. And then 25% of the time, chick blows her top, you know what I'm saying, and then goes crazy. And, and the kid is like, ah, I don't know what, to, I don't know which mom I'm getting today. I don't, know, I don't know how to respond here. It's going to be exasperating. We got to watch out to not provoke them through too much pressure to achieve. Now, now listen, the Bible itself, 1 Thessalonians tells us, hey man, you should be striving for excellence. You should always be pushing it forward. You should be trying to bring it further, make it better. But there's also has to be heaping helpings of patience and understanding. And that's not just with your kids. That's with your coworkers. That's with everybody. See, God made everybody different. And we're not all going to excel in the same ways. And God wants to take this particular human and he wants certain things to grow and be really strong. And other ones, it's like, who cares? It doesn't really matter. So we've got to watch out for excessive uh, pressure to achieve. Here's another one. And this one is, 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 I probably hate it because I'm a culprit of it, but I've also experienced it and I don't like it. This is the one where the parental figure, wh- whoever they are, whatever they're doing, they're not taking the time to rightly understand the situation before they weigh in and bring some kind of a punishment. You ever had this? You have a parent or, or somebody, some authority, some teacher, there's like, well, here's what we're going to do, and you're going to do this, and you're in trouble. And, they, you're, and you know, like, something inside of you, this little bit of injustice, you're like, you don't even freaking know what happened. Like, and and we got to protect that in kids. They have an internal sense of justice, and if you betray that too much, they're going to they're gonna say, okay, this is not a worthy person for me to follow because they consistently do injustice. And it's going to ex- exasperate them. 
So sometimes I'm, I'm, up, up, I'm up, up in our room in the office and I'm, you know, I'm typing away doing work. And I'll hear kids start to what sounds like fighting, okay? Just hear them down in the, in the living room or whatever. And, rah, 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 rah. and a story will start to be written in my mind, okay, of what's going on there. And I know who's in trouble. I know who did what wrong. And I'll come down the stairs and, and I'll just start dishing out punishments, okay? I was like, yeah, yeah. And then my wife will be like, yeah. <laughs> She'll have to see me in the other room. You kind of got this backwards. That's not even the right kid, you know? And so she'll kind of talk me down. And, and what happened? Like, I responded too quickly. I did not listen. I did not get a full-orbed understanding of the situation. And I leaned in with my authority, but I misused my authority. And now, to my kid, it seems unjust. Dad made the wrong call. This doesn't even feel right. And of course, dad's going to make the wrong call from time to time. But what, what should we rather do? We want to slow down. And instead of like spank the heart, crush the heart, we want to get out of scalpel. And we want to just correct the right thing. Get that little piece out and then patch up the heart. That's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to be delicate. I see parents, they want to take God's suggested guidance. They've got to go slower so they can understand the situation. Here's another one that you've seen. It's just unkindness. It's constant criticism. You've seen this probably in the department store. Dude, you'll hear parents, they'll just say the wickedest things to their kids. They'll call them names. I've heard parents interact with kids in such a way, I'm like, the devil would say that to your kid. Why would you ever say that? And everybody stumbles in different ways, and I understand that, but I just want to plead with parents, your job is to speak life and name positive things. That's what it's for. You're to tell them how awesome they are. You're to tell them how powerful they're going to be. You're the one who tells them, hey, man, it doesn't really matter what you do. Hey, just take the grace, baby. Just take the grace. It's okay to make mistakes. Everybody jacks it up. Take, don't be so hard on yourself. We got to be the, the parents giving kids grace or grandkids grace rather than speaking death over them. Another version of that is actually neglect. It's where you're not saying anything. You're not even engaging enough. And, and a horrible example is King David. He's a case study. If you, if you study King David's life, awesome king, awesome general, terrible father. This guy's the worst. We think about Absalom. We think Tamar. This guy really dropped the ball. And it was like he was just saying to himself, man, look, I, I got stuff. I can't be dealing with my kids' rebellion. I can't be dealing with their sin. I can't be bringing any kind of correction. And he, just, he was kind of like hands off. And you know what happened? His kids grew up and were not wise. And they caused him a lot of pain. They didn't bring a lot of joy to his heart because they were so wise. They brought him a lot of pain because that cruelty that was forming in them had grown up into an evil tree. We got to watch out about showing favoritism. Hey, man, I'm just going to take my time. We're going through the whole thing. Showing favoritism. Jacob and Esau, because their parents were ridiculous. Right? You got Rebecca and you got Isaac and these two morons. All they can do is pit their kids against each other. Thank God we can learn from their, their, their example. But, you know, parents, we got, we got to fight a little hard to, to just, you know, demonstrate fairness. And, and if you got more than one kid, be telling them, you know, mom doesn't love one kid more than the other. Parents love their kids like God loves his kids. They're all the same. I'm just trying to bring out the good that is in with each one of them, but there's no favorites. Nobody gets special stuff. And if someone gets some special, here's what you tell them. You say, hey, everybody gets their special moments. Everybody gets their special times, but yours are coming. God's going to make sure that you get what's coming to you. So just hang on. Just trust God. How about being overprotective? I 
I see this, this is the opposite. There's, there's folks, that, man, they're just clenching it too hard. And there, there's other parents, dear heart, you got to let that kid grow up, okay? You're not building any confidence in them that you trust them or that they have any kind of freedom. There should be a leash that you're slowly letting out as they make it toward 18. And they're proving trustworthy, but you're communicating things like, I trust you to do the right thing. You know, if, if, as you train your kid, ideally you get them to places where you don't even really need to check in if they're coming home for curfew because you know they will. Because it's the character you've, by God's grace, built into them. And that produces confidence. My parents believe in me, so I'm going to do right. We've got to build confidence in our kids that, dude, I don't think you're going to be perfect, but I think you're going to do right ultimately. So my dad sat me down. I can remember twice, once when I was about 17 and once when I was about 23. So I was already either pre-man, about to be a man, or a man. And he sat me down. He, he did this so classy. He said, hey, um, can, can you sit down for a second? We, we sat down on the chair. I need to tell you something, and I just need you to hear it. And it was a correction in both cases. And, you know, he said it with such respect and such clear care for his son. I just swallowed it right up. It was easy to receive. Even as a man, it was easy to receive. That's how I want to encourage you to correct your kids. Now, when they're very young, yes, we'll talk about physical discipline a little bit that comes next week. But ultimately, there's got, you can't humiliate them, man. You can't back them into a corner. Right? You've got to treat them as a creature made in God's image who is worthy of, let me appeal to your sense of virtue. Let me appeal to what's going right in you that God is doing. Provocation makes attaining a blessed future more difficult. So parents, we've got to forsake the ways of provocation. And when you jack it up, you repent. You ask for forgiveness. You're not too proud to go to your kid and say, so you're probably going to jack it up as a parent? I want you to know what that's like. I jacked it up as a parent. I had to ask you to forgive me because I don't do everything right. Thank God for Jesus. And you just you roll it right into thank God for Jesus. That's why we have a savior because we do everything right. How many think this is good and profitable? Put a raise hand emoji in the, in the chat. Yeah, we just, need, we just need sharpening and scouring on this kind of thing. We're gonna keep right on going. <clears throat> Last point, but here we go. Number two, we nurture kids with God pointing instruction with God-pointing instruction. Did you see that? But bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. This can also be translated nurture. And I really like that because I really believe that's what Paul was saying. It wasn't just hand them an instruction manual, make sure they follow step one, two, and three. It was, I want you to instruct them in a way that is sympathetic. I want you to do it in a way that's tender so that they feel your care while you're instructing them in the ways of God. I want you to understand, parents, that there's a lot of things we need to instruct and train kids in, but you know, spiritual matters are actually the most important because they last forever, even beyond the life of the kid. And so we start with God's story. I don't know if you notice this, but God's word right here, it's not just an instruction manual. You ever, you ever see that? It's not just, you know, one, two, three, four steps in here. God instructs with stories. And we need to instruct our kids with stories. They need to understand, first and foremost, God's story, and that they are a character in God's story. That the story did not end with the Bible, they're still in it. They're still relating to God the same way all the heroes of the faith and most that didn't that jack stuff up, they're relating to God in all the same ways. They are a part of God's story. And that means, as far as it depends on you, now you can't force the stuff. Let me just, let me just in a weighty way, Encourage parents, you cannot force this stuff. 
can't, you can't give your kids a legalism recipe. Dude, that's, that's worse than saying nothing at all. But you can model and you can encourage, hey, we're going to have time in God's word. We're just going to read a chapter. Let's do this before we go to bed. Or let's do this when we get up. And you train them how to have time with God. You say, Carter, I don't know how to have time with God. I'm glad you admitted that. Let's go ahead and teach you how to have time with God. Okay? We, you, you can't expect them to mimic something you don't do. Because check it out, they're going to mimic whatever you do or don't do. I read a stat this, this past week, and hopefully this puts a little fear and trembling in us. Whatever you want your kid's relationship with Jesus to look like, just understand, in general, most times it's going to be a little bit less than what yours is. So, so studies have been done over the generations. If you go to church three times a month, they're going to go one to two. If you go to church one time a month, they're going to go every few months. Like they're just going to follow your patterns a little bit less concentrated. So that means, parents, we just, we just got to live for Jesus. I feel like he keeps sitting in this. We just got to live for Jesus. And here's one of the first messages we want to teach them from God's word. It's maybe the most important one. Child, teenager, whoever they are, however old they are, God loves you. And God will never leave you. God will never give up on you. People will give up. People will let you down. You'll do stuff that dis, like disgusts you. You'll find yourself, you know, doing something perverted and something you'd be ashamed of at some point. And you got to know, God loves you. And God will never give up on you. God will be your guide until you die. You got to always be able to know that you can run back to God. Always. It doesn't matter if you feel like a misfit. God is for you, not against you. And by the way, you are a solution. You're a solution to a broken world, but you're also broken. That's number two. God loves you. You are also broken. Because they're going to look at their world and they're going to say, what is wrong with this place? And you get to tell them, theologically speaking, what's wrong with this place is this is not actually the world that God designed for you. This is a tilted, screwed up version of the world God designed for you. And he wants you to know you're a solution to this, but you're also tilted. You're also bent with sin. And you've got to understand the creature that you are. So you see your need for the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. This is where we get into salvation. There needs to be salvation conversation. And even more important than that, salvation prayer from the parent. Studies have been done. And I just got to warn you up front. Um, if you are, if your whole game is, I got to get my kid to say the sinner's prayer. I was telling you, man, that's not going to go very well because they will do that to please you but that doesn't mean that they saw your example and actually realized their own need for Jesus Christ. So it's much more compelling for you to walk in a discipleship relationship with Jesus and for them to see, oh, I've noticed mom and dad transform over time. I see that that's real. I get it, and I want that thing. Pray every day for your child to be saved, but then also just kind of let it go. There was a book that I highly recommend called Revolutionary Parenting by George Barna. And it was just a study, years long, of for, for adults that are like young adults, and they turned out to be like on fire. They survived childhood. They didn't fall off. They didn't like go into a, a 10 years of rebellion and then come back in their 30s. They just flamed on and kept right on going in passionate love for Jesus. The parents who, who had those kids did certain things really well. And here's what he says. Here's a little quote. It says, every one of these parents considered salvation of their children to be of paramount importance, but most of them opted for a lifelong emphasis upon discipleship rather than evangelism. They didn't bug them about it. They gave them a life that was attractive. They gave them a life that was genuinely in love with Jesus and that made that kid want 
what they have. So we review God's story. We let them know God loves you. We let them know you're a creature that is in rebellion to God and therefore needs to be saved. And God will give you a brand new heart through Jesus Christ. And then we tell them the family story. There's family things I want you to know. I want to pass on so I can nurture you to pass on, to be a strong link in the chain. Here's some that that might come to you. This is one of ours in the Carter home. It's okay to make mistakes. Like just basement level, it is okay to make mistakes. You're going to find that you're a sinner and it's okay. You're going to find that Jesus is the only one perfect and that's just fine. Nobody else is perfect. The car isn't perfect. The doll isn't perfect. The family's not perfect. The school is not perfect. The church is not perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. So take that expectation off of everything else in your life. That's a family value. Maybe some of yours might be, I trust you to do the right thing. Maybe it might be, you're responsible to help people when you can. But think through your list. What are the things I'm actually wanting this person to attain before they leave the house or that you can talk about at Christmas because I already left the house. And whatever those are, you're praying that thing into reality, but you're recognizing, I'm going to need a Jesus to make up for all my mistakes. Because as we've been talking about this, some of you probably feel, I don't know, maybe some kind of regret, some kind of bad. And can I just encourage you? You don't need to feel that. Whatever you've done right or wrong, listen to this. I'll read it again. Psalm 48, 14. For this God is our God forever and ever, and he will be our guide even until death. So it doesn't matter where you've gone wrong. It doesn't matter if like you're, much older now, your kids are now, you know, middle-aged. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. God says, I'll be your guide right now. If there's anything that needs to be better with you and your kids, I can enter the picture right now. Are you stuck in some kind of a hard, cold place on the mountain? Jesus says, I can make it better. I'm not saying that I'm going to reverse everything that was went wrong, but I can make it better. I can make it better from here. No matter what mistakes were made, no matter what was made against you. So as we end the sermon, for some of us, it might be, Jesus, I need you to guide me out of this or into a better land of some sort. Others of us, it might be, you're a little bit convicted and maybe you should apologize on on your way home or you should go downstairs and apologize for just ways that you were just misrepresenting God to your kid. And I know that it'll be like, oh, that's, hard on my pride. Good, do it. Kill that pride anyway. And others, it might be that you have to have a conversation with your parent. You just feel like, hey man, there's air that needs to be cleared. Let's do it. Because God will be a guide to our death and he wants to enter in. He says, let me be your guide. I know how this goes and I know the best way. Let's pray, church. The only perfect parent is you, Heavenly Father. I think that we have a Jesus that makes up for our mistakes and fills in our gaps. I want to pray, Master, that you would help us be a generation of parents that is intentional about not provoking and being sure to nurture. Lord, we want to pray for your forgiveness for areas we've just, you know, we just were lax. We weren't paying attention in the ways that we should. We pray that you'd make up for our mistakes. We pray for 
reunitings that maybe need to take place. We pray for apologies that maybe need to take place. We pray for courage to maybe lead a little bolder, a little stronger, or with a little more tact and humility. God, come make us a strong link in the chain of the story you're writing over the generations. In Christ's name. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.